everything which I do in life has a lot more greater purpose than it apparently seems. Like a lot of things I do is aligned with the core of my purpose in life. Like each and everything I do, every action I take, everything in my to-do list or everything in my business or any kind of thing which I'm doing, whether it's in my personal brand or media, everything is related to my life's purpose, which is to help my community on which I was crystal clear when I was 12 years old. All branding is personal. And it's not about who you say you are. It's about who you are and how you say it. I'm Hirsch Repu, copywriter, comedian, and brand voice expert. I've helped hundreds of companies fine tune their messaging. And now I'm sitting down with some of the most ambitious and imaginative founders around who share their seven figure stories and next figure goals. Let's hit the brand voice runway. Going down the brand voice runway today is Yasser Hashmi. Yasser is known as the youngest venture capitalist in the world, the youngest investment banker in the world. But of course, he's learned a lot since forming the Hashmi Group. And I don't remember what year it was, but he was 15 years old. Is that correct, Yasser? Right, right, definitely. Thanks for having me, firstly. Yes. I started my business, actually. I mean, in terms of launching my business officially, it started in 2019, but I started doing business when I was in school. But it's like I started doing business in an organized manner when I was 15, but I started selling stuff when I was 12. So it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's sometimes it's confusing for me to think that, you know, when did I really start it? And because, you know, it's about firstly, I mean, since it's something which is different, but doing something in an organized manner, that's a different thing. So sometimes right. it, it becomes confusing for me because it's like, when I became an adult and then I registered the business in my name, then that's a different, different basically tenure. And yeah. when I was not an adult and basically you know, doing business, that's a different timeline. And then when I started doing so, that's a different thing. Yeah. So it's a bit confusing, but it's like I've been an entrepreneur in my, basically in all my life. Yeah, well, that's really the, you know, like, like we were talking about before. I sure. always look at things in terms of the personal brand. And I think all branding is personal, even if it's, you know, Frito-Lay, it doesn't matter. There's a personality, there's a soul behind it originally. And in your case, being a lifelong almost entrepreneur is really your brand. Uh, Being the youngest, I'm sure you'll admit, isn't so much the issue as, okay, this is really part of my DNA. For sure. <laughs> if at 12 years old, you know, you were on the same track that you are on. And how old are you now? Yeah, I'm currently in my early 20s. Early 20s Very now. early 20s. Yeah. So, you know, but you have maintained an interest and you have diverse interests. But tell me right. what your very first memory is of who you are as a sure. person. Like, what was the first thing you could point to and say, this was when I felt I was on track? So basically, I mean, in terms of the things I do, everything is everything which I do in life has a lot more greater purpose than it apparently seems. Like a lot of things I do is aligned with the core of my purpose in life. Like each and everything I do, every action I take, everything in my to-do list or everything in my business or any kind of thing which I'm doing, whether it's in my personal brand or media, everything is related to my life's purpose which is to help my community on which I was crystal clear when I was 12 years old. So that's a different perspective, but it's like everything I did in my life was aligned with that. Like for me, my life's philosophy is like a person should be forced crystal clear on their life's purpose, then set long-term, intermediate and short-term goals, which are aligned with this purpose. 
so that you don't get distracted and you are concentrated on a specific purpose and you are aligning every effort to focus on that purpose, to fulfill that purpose. And that purpose is something which is giving you meaning and fulfillment all your life. It's just like, if I tell you, Hosh, if someone will kidnap your family, what you will do? You will be like, you will do everything to get them back because that's something which you believe from your heart. You don't need a manual or a book or a mentor to help you. You'll just have the drive to figure it out. So same is with life, right? When you really believe in something, when you really have a purpose, you don't need someone's help to figure it out. You just have the drive. Of course, a mentor or book will help you. But at the same time, you don't lose that drive. So the purpose gives you drive in life. Like a person who loves, you know, basically arriving at a destination and a person who loves walking. Of course, the person who loves walking will go further than the person who loves to stay on a destination or to just arrive at a destination. So same is with my life. Like I'm crystal on my purpose. Then I've set long-term, intermediate and short-term goals in my life in all dimensions of life, mentally, socially, spiritually, physically, financially, because everything is in correlation. And I set my different goals and I focus on achieving those, those goals in, the, in as much creative way as possible. And in life, whether it's any kind of goal or any purpose, it's about commitment because creativity follows commitment. First, we have to commit to anything which we want to do in life. Then our subconscious mind automatically uses our experiences, our knowledge, our ideas to manifest them in a way where it uses all those ideas and memories and experiences and the infinite intelligence of God in order to achieve that commitment which we have done. That's a very interesting way to do things and it's a very interesting perspective in life so that I don't get distracted. I know exactly what I want in anything I'm looking for, whether it's a spouse, whether it's an employee, whether it's my next time, whether it's my next five moves, whether it's my next business, whether it's my what's in other person I need to partner with. I'm crystal clear what I want to do, what I need to do and what I should be doing or you know how disciplined I need to be. And the other thing is this, people are a lot more binary in things in which they do. Like things are not so binary. I mean, it's not like if someone is good or bad, it's like to what right. extent someone is good or to what extent someone is bad. That's the thing that matters. And whether it's in anything, it could be anything in life. Like people want, like the thing is like, you know, the thing is everyone has almost similar goals. Everyone wants to be a billionaire, but how badly you want to determine that, you know, who will achieve it. That's yeah. how it is. Like, you know, people are more focused on, binary approach oh he's a nice guy just because some mental bias a confirmation bias like if someone is from a good school this means that person is a good guy so that's how it is so that's how it structured my life well there's so much there to dig into one thing is clarity it sure. it seems like you know we don't know necessarily where this clarity comes from that you have yeah. But that's certainly a very big part of it because a lot of people spend a lot of time searching for clarity and also right. for a lot of time, sometimes just tripping over our own distractions, tripping over our own doubt. Like I think that I don't, I sometimes think I don't have a good sense of direction, right? When I'm driving, I trust the GPS, okay. I stick with the Jeep. But the fact is sometimes my sense of direction is fine. It's the doubt. It's the it's right. the fact that I question my sense of direction. So it isn't an innate problem of direction or that. It's a lack of confidence in the direction. Right. And I realized sure. that was translating into, into business as well, second-guessing right. ourselves. And it sounds right. like you charge forward with a very clear vision. What are some of the obstacles that you faced early on, if any? One yeah. assumes there must sure. be. 
There must for be. sure, definitely. There are a lot of still there are a lot many now as well. Like one of the biggest obstacles which is there in the life of every businessman in the world, which I can guarantee it is the case in every businessman in the world, is finding the right people. It must be in your company as well. Finding the right people. Yeah. Like finding the right people is the hardest job in this world. Like there are eight billion people on this planet, but I think the people who are really highly productive in this world might be only 18 million people that are really doing something in this world. Most right. of the people are not doing things. Like if you come to India, they're like 1.6 billion people. And if you will talk to anyone, I mean, especially youngsters or people who are students or teenagers, they're just wasting their life. They're doing nothing, nothing which is productive. They're just wasting their life. They are being consumed by different platforms, different social media platforms. Same as with Africa, same as with a lot of people in China, in different countries, but it's like there are very less number of people or very less, basically, you know, very less number of people in very specific part of the world which are really doing things which needs to be done and which you can say that this person is doing almost optimum utilization of their time. Because the thing is, you know, I love to think about everything from the perspective of optimum utilization of resources. Because the thing is, everyone has limited resources, whether it's financial resources, financial assets, or experience, expertise, people, access to people, everything is in limited quantity. So how you use and manifest all those resources determines how far you will go. Because, you know, basically, I, I mean, no one has unlimited amount of resources, right? Everyone has limited amount of resources. And the other thing is this. Now, this is just one thing. How fast you will go depends on how you do optimum utilization of resources. Now, the other thing is this. Other thing which determines how fast you will grow in life is leverage. Leverage is the ratio between inputs and outputs. So now there are different forms of leverage. Like the oldest form of leverage was used in ancient Egypt, which is labor and employees, which is like, you know, in Tutankhamun, the basically, you know, the king in Egypt, he used millions of labor's times, effort, expertise to, you know, build the pyramids. He didn't build the pyramids, but he got the credit for building it. So he used other people's 24 hours, other people's experience, other people's 20, and basically you know, expertise, their lifespan of studies, which they did, and use it to create something for himself. Okay, He, That's was, he was the, King Tut was the Steve Jobs of ancient Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> he had a vision and he yeah. figured out who needs me. For sure. Right? And yeah. who needs me to, to help utilize them? And right. so I will leverage their technological genius with my right. visionary genius. Right. And, but without my vision, they're not going to do yeah. anything. It's not. For sure, definitely. You know. And the other, other modern form of leverage is basically capital, which I'm using in my fund. It's like where you use investors' money to create return for all. Of course, it has to be win-win. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. See, yeah. the thing about anything which is bad or negative or evil in this world is that's not sustainable. You can't do it for very long. That's a problem with anything like this. So that's how it is. So it's like other thing is capital where you use other people's resources to basically you know, create return for all. Now, the two most modern form of leverage, one is coding, one is media. Now, let me start with media. Media is like, you know, you have Kylie Jenner. Kylie yeah. Jenner became a billionaire at 20 or 21. <laughs> and she became, became a billionaire. And what she did was also done by Maybelline with thousands of employees and decades of track record, right? And she did the same thing with her hundreds of millions of Instagram followers, okay? So she was able to have a platform where she has hundreds of millions of eyeballs, where she can sell hundreds of millions of things to hundreds of millions of people in any corner of the world at any time. It's 24 7 being sold. Like everything on Kali's profile is 24-7, right? So it's like it's like a 24-7 salesman. 
like the post, everything which is there. So it's just like, a, you know, basically eyeballs which were there and all those eyeballs are like compounding. They are growing in a compounding manner. Like when people got to know something, then they're telling more people, more people, more people, more people. So it's like a quadratic growth. And you can, anything in this world that is quadratic is only word of mouth in terms of marketing. Like for Google ads, any kind of ads you do, there's a cause and effect. You spend this much, you get this much client. You spend this much, you get this much client. But word of mouth is like, it's growing in a compounding manner. Even if you don't pay people, people are still, if they're happy, they're sharing with other people. There was a research which concluded that if, a, if something good happens with a person, they share with three people. If something bad happens with a person, they share it with 11 people. Because the thing is, when something is negative or bad, it automatically becomes truth because you don't need to prove a positive statement, you negative statement. You have to prove a basically, you know, positive statement. You don't need to prove a negative statement. Like yeah. you have, because the thing is, the thing about any negative statement is, why will a person in common sense will say something negative about themselves or something? Of course, it must be true that's why people are saying. So that's why people are perceiving things on the basis of that they say things. So that's another form of leverage. Now, the other great form of leverage is software or coding. Like, it's like, you know, you get coding is like, you just, let's say you just created a platform. Let's compare a coding-based business and a business that's based on manual employees. Okay, let's say there's, you created a course, online course, okay, in videos or in, you know, written content. And then you have a manual business. In a manual business, let's say you hire one employee. If you, if you have 10 clients, you are another employee. If your business is expanding, you have another 10 clients. You are another person. If you have more 10 clients, another person, if you have more 10 clients, okay? So that's a manual business based on labor, which is the lowest form of leverage. And then you have the other best form of leverage coding where you have a platform where you have a course on the website. Now millions of people can go and millions of people can buy that same thing with zero incremental cost to the business. Like a business, a coding business, the cost to serve one customer or a million customers is almost same for the coding business. Almost, any, of course, they need to spend, you know, basically some money on customer support and the hosting storage of the website or to store the customer data. But if you compare it with this business, there's very low incremental cost to grow this business as compared to this one. That's why software-based businesses have a higher valuation when it comes to being sold or M&A mergers and acquisitions of these software platforms. So that's the thing. Look, these are the most modern form of leverage. And I try to use almost each of these forms of leverage in all my businesses, different businesses which I'm running. Like I have Hashmi Ventures, which is the venture capital fund, the Hashmi Group, which is an investment marketing firm, where we basically, you know, we also use so much software there. We have employees there. And then it's like the third one, Yasir Hashmi Media, where we create different content. We have a network of hundreds of thousands of people who consume our content for entrepreneurship and personal development. I'm planning to create it in the form of yasirhashmi.tv, where we can have different content creators create different kinds of... It's just like a Netflix for entrepreneurship and personal development. Because the thing about personal development and entrepreneurship is it's in my core. Like everything I do is related to entrepreneurship and personal development because both of these things are in correlation. Like, you know, how... What we create and what we do and what we say reflects who we are from inside. Yeah. Like whatever we attract, whatever we do, whatever we create is a reflection of our character. Of course, there's a context. Like, I mean, everything is a context. Like, I mean, one of the things people neglect a lot is context. Context is very important. Like whenever I say something to anyone, I'm not giving you an advice. I'm throwing a data point from my life. You can, you can use that data point according to the context and intensity of that of your life. Because what's my purpose is different than what's your purpose. So you can use 
that data point according to your life. Right? You don't yeah. need to just copy everything I'm doing. You can do it according to your, according to what you want to do in life because what gives me meaning might not be something which gives you meaning. So it's important to understand that rather than right. being you know confused by just Relative. By, by becoming copy paste. So that's that's not a good idea. Right. And it's relative. Everything is relative and subjective. But that's what makes life so interesting is that when we and I believe this, it comes. It's the same as who you work with. You know, why would you work with a certain colleague or a certain associate? It has to do with really that that personal element. And you said when when I had asked you some questions about, you know, the secret to success and all of that. And you had said people, people, people. Right. You know, and that's true. Now, speaking of people, so you have now, you know, a considerable following, but not everybody who not, you know, we talk a lot on this show about email lists because I've come around to this notion. I, I worked in advertising for many, many years, and I would be oftentimes frustrated by the fact that a brand might not make the correct media buy because that wasn't my department. I was creative. Here we spend all this time doing this creative, the media buy, let's say, either is miscalculated or undercalculated or underspent, and the results aren't there. And everything's about results. Everything's about ROI. And I was like, well, there's got to be some other ways that don't rely on a whole other person, a whole other department to get the message out. And then it occurred to me, I'm not the first to think of it, but it occurred to me, oh, well, a lot of us have these email lists. It had to do in my, you know, in my case, I figured out, well, you know, we have these email lists, we have these followers, but we're not really activating them. We're just kind of keeping them on a string, you know, they don't opt out, but they don't, they're not doing anything. They're just, they're just, they're just kind of, so you have a pretty big email list. And what, what are, where are those people coming to you from and how do you like separate them into different lists given all your ventures? How has that worked for you with somebody with so many ventures? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So it's like, we use the same. So because the thing is, you know, it helps in basically first thing, it's cheaper when you use same. So for a lot of marketing, different kinds of marketing. And the other thing is this, like, you know, one thing I can tell you the best form of marketing for me, apart from content marketing, the best form of marketing basically is email marketing. Like 100% of my revenue in investment banking comes from email marketing. 100% of my revenue comes from email marketing. And since the beginning of our business, we don't use LinkedIn. We don't use any other platform. It's 100% email marketing. And email marketing, not just for me, it has the highest conversion rate in the world for anyone. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, it, it also depends on the quality of your basically, you know, email list. Like we have 4 million contacts in our email list. So the, so now, now the other thing is this, like email list, basically email marketing is good and bad. It depends how you use it. Everything is good and bad on the basis of how you use it, right? And one of the thing about, you know, basically my personal brand is I don't sell anything. Like I just created my book. I just have my book. Okay, I just wrote my book. But it's like, apart from that, I don't have anything which I sell, any kind of post which I sell on my YouTube channel or any other platform which I have. Because my focus is to provide free value and my goal is not to make money from the from the audience which I have at my personal brand. Everything I'm doing is for free. The video editors or everyone I pay basically is from my personal network. So I'm not basically, you know, I'm not monetizing it anyway, basically. It's just everything is for free. And that's something which gives me meaning. And that this is something which helps me to also, you know, 
you see it's like that one of the reason which i because of which i started basically you know creating content was this of course it, it takes a lot of time to do those stuff so one of the reasons was this it's like when i started i don't have i didn't have anyone who helped me to do things which i wanted to do in life right no one helped me basically you know, to grow a business i did everything on my own i learned everything from scratch i learned things from the best people in the world i didn't have so many mentors on youtube or so many people who i can relate myself to like a lot of people still are hidden than me in my life when i started but it's like so I want to be someone basically you know, on YouTube where I can help people who are growing their businesses from scratch and have a business with strong fundamentals, strong intrinsic value and businesses which are highly profitable, who can grow a business on a bootstrap level. So basically yeah. like, you know, for me, that's very important basically. And I don't have any, I mean, there are several channels for entrepreneurs, but those channels are hard to relate in a lot of areas. I mean, there are, but it's like, it's hard to relate in a lot of periods and it's hard for you to relate to someone who doesn't have your problem. Like you yeah. can't relate to a person who doesn't have your problem, who has different problems. So that's another thing. So, and now the other thing is this, like a lot of channels, which I found, I waste a lot of time. There's like a 10 minute video. You learn just one or two new things. Now, all my content is within two to three minutes, like almost most of the content reports, 80% of our content is short. So it's in one minute and the other long content reports, it's in five minutes. And if you will see any of my video, you will find anything I tell talk about is just crux. It's just value, value, crux, value. It's not like I'm talking a long story. Oh, once upon a time, this happened and this happened. I'm just talking basically, you know, I'm throwing data points, which people can use at the, according to the context of their business. And the person... I mean, you know, the person who runs a business is smart enough to know that how they can use those things. So that's one of the things. Now, the other thing basically is like, you know, the thing about email marketing is I think it's very amazing. And I think people need to change their perspective of email marketing. Like one, one important thing which I, any email marketer, any person that does email marketing can will realize is, you know, you will get so much hate from email marketing. Yeah. Like people who like unsubscribe, opt out, opt out, like, you know, we were, we were, let me tell you one incident, basically, you know, we were basically, you know, doing email marketing and it's like, we, I asked my basically team to just 10x our effort in terms of email marketing. We started 10, you know, marketing email, we started sending, sending marketing emails 10 times more than we were doing originally. So now my team was saying that, you know, basically we are getting so many complaints. People are saying, remove us from your list. We will basically have our list go down very fast. So I was like that, you know. If these people are saying, you know, basically unsubscribe, basically unsubscribe me from your list, then I mean, of course, it's like it was just like more less than zero zero point one percent people that were saying basically, you know, they want to opt yeah. out. But I was like, you know, if these people are saying that they want to opt out, this means they're thinking about me. Okay, they're thinking they know they are saying that I know who you are, or I acknowledge who you are. Okay, that's what these people are saying. That now I got your email so many times that I you your company name is in my brain. I know your company. Okay, <laughs> Dash, Mugo, Hashi, so now the now the job I've is accomplished. It. It's accomplished right, right. now. That's true. Now the yeah. second thing is this: if only less than one person people are seeing basically this thing that you know we got to know about you, we want to unsubscribe. This means almost ten to twenty percent of the people are also thinking the same thing. They're not saying like. When you think something and when you act on that thing, there's a big journey between mm -hmm. that time. And most people just think, but they don't act. Now, in order to act on a thought, you need a very high intensity and emotion. So the people who reply to those marketing emails to unsubscribe, those people had very high intensity of saying that, you know, please unsubscribe because they were very angry. Okay. Now, 
the rest in 20% people were also thinking the same thing, but they got to knew about us. Basically, you know, that we were sending so many emails. So they started, of course, they might have unsubscribed or deleted, but it's like we still got less than 1% unsubscribe rate. And we always have a very good email sender reputation. We have open rates of like 40 to 50%. That's twice the industry average. Mm -hmm. Industry average 20%. We have 40% email, basically open rates. And it's like we send marketing emails every day. Our servers are so high overloaded that every day we are throwing so many emails out there. And it's like, sometimes, you know, basically like the emails when people reply, it come, we don't use the a dashboard of the email service provider. We use a dashboard, I mean, for receiving the email. For receiving, yeah. I mean, when people reply, that comes on email every day on Gmail, but it's sent from a different server. So yeah, like so what, but when, what, but, yeah, sir. What 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 are you using as an app for that? Like, what are you using to? Yeah, yeah. To... So basically, I mean, we are using different softwares for different. Now we have right. changed it. Okay. So for one of them, we are using Sandfox, and for one of them, basically, we are using Wix, and for one of them, we are using Send and Blow, and for one another one, it's Gmas. Mm -hmm. So basically, they, they are basically four different. Currently, we have changed in order to improve our delivery rates, like to increase the open rate. Gmas is very good, actually. I, I really like Gmas as mm -hmm. a basically email marketing provider. And but but for Sandfox, I'll recommend for anyone who is starting out. Sandfox, Sandfox is very cheap. It's the cheapest Sandfox. Yeah. It's like in just two hundred fifty dollars, you can send unlimited emails to like 40,000 basically you know subscribers which you have in your list. But send in blue is expensive. And it's like for Vix, it's also expensive as compared to Send in Blue. Send in Blue is the cheapest for anyone who, who is starting. But it's like we are only using Send in Blue for our YouTube basically because we don't have so many people in our YouTube list. Right. We, right. we have like we have like under ten thousand people in our YouTube list because not every subscriber asks for you know basically opt in. So we have less people in our YouTube basically email list, but for the other list we have so many people because those are like running businesses. Like for YouTube on, on my personal brand, I just focused from this year, like. I started focusing on my personal brand this year. I, I and I grew combined. I grew more than basically. I guess we have more than five hundred thousand followers across all platforms, and we have more than three, basically two to three million basically impressions of all the content which we've created. Basically, in just three months, I started yeah. in March. In three months, we have got, got basically grown so far organically in terms of we we reduce any kind of ads. Everything was organic. So it's like, you know, of course it depends on how you strategize, but I think it's because of the people we hired, basically, you know, who did they basically woke up to is basically, you know, who used to work in other companies focused on growing their social media platforms and their experience on how the algorithm works helped us. But at the same time, we are still working hard to grow basically our reach of course it's always about going to the next level in life whether it's in business whether it's in anything else in life yeah and that's and that's a good point too which is that you know you're growing this following but as you say in your personal brand you're not soliciting business you're not saying right. other than the book which is kind of part of your personal brand and the book is lessons from a millionaire right. uh, which i love and then you know but it's not you're not the company selling services no, no. you're building no. a following based on your desire right. to provide the kind of mentorship right. and information you didn't really get and so you have a more organic personal right. product right yeah and that's maybe a little easier to build 
But what right. what about the services that you do provide and yeah. how those people come to you? Because you have some high ticket services, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, that's the thing. And, I, and that's the thing, basically. It's just like, you know, if you have two options, like one option is you can sell a dollar thing to a million people and you can make a million dollars or you can sell a 10,000 or $20,000 thing, basically, you know, 200 people or 50 people, that, that then that's another way you can make a million dollars. So we are on this part. So our basically average check size, basically, every I mean, you know, average ticket for a customer is between basically $15,000 to $30,000. That's the average customer size. But this time it has, we, have, we have also started an equity program so because of the equity program, basically our revenue has skyrocketed. So rather than just charging fees, we are also charging equity. So because of mm -hmm. that, our revenue basically, because of equity part, has grown to like more than $400,000 in just the past three months. Mm -hmm. I mean, in past three months, our revenue was more than $400,000. And in terms of equity, it's just pure profit. So that's the thing. And in terms of other fees, like our margins are also very high. In, in our industry, the margins are also very high. So it's like because of the certain changes we did in our business model, our revenue has skyrocketed this year as well. I mean, in terms of the cash flow business mm -hmm. rather than just the equity part. So that uh, that's another area. But the thing is, in terms of the market, like for us, business is going well. But the thing is, the hardest hit industry because of COVID is ours. Mm. Like, because of recession, our industry has been hit the basically worst as compared to any other industry. It's in the startup industry. So yeah. that's the thing. Now, that's just one business, the Hashmi Group. There are other businesses as well. So I was talking about the Hashmi Group, which is investor marketing business. We, we help companies in raising funds from our network. So that's how. And the other thing is, is like, you know, how it works is not like very simple. It's like a customer comes, they pay several basically, you know, $20,000, in terms of basically, you know, retainers, the fees, which they pay us. And then let's say when a deal is closed, they give us a fee on amount which we help them in raising. So that's how it's structured normally over a six month to 12 month subscription, monthly subscription cycle. So that's how basically this kind of business is structured. And it's all relative to your overhead and your scale right. as a conglomerate, as a business, you know, everything kind of has to fall into place. You know, let's talk about the book for a minute. So now I assume, although I don't, I probably shouldn't with you assume, but is this your first book? No, it's my second book. Your second my book. My first book, yeah, I, my first book I wrote in 2019, and that's a book based on Indian ancient and medieval history. So that's a history book. Oh, right. Yeah, I read about that and I found that very interesting that you had, that you had written a book. I, I quoted it. that to my wife. I remember when I was reading your bio. And I said, oh, so he's not just a, he's not just a, you know, just a business whiz, you know? Okay, go ahead. We'll tell, talk a little bit about Perfect. that. Yeah. So basically, I mean, for me, Lessons of a Millionaire, this book is basically, for me, is one of the most amazing book, basically, in entrepreneurship and personal development. Now, the thing about this book is, this book is not written in a way when I'm just sitting and writing the book. It's not like this. This book is written with years of experience. It's like, Whenever I'm doing something, I learned something, I write it in my notes. Let's say next day I learned something, I write it in my notes. Every day I'm learning something, I'm writing in my notes. And those years of accumulated experience or insights, which I got in every day, it's combined in this book. So it's not like something where I thought, oh, let me just write a book to sell it. It's That's not basically you know, how I plan to sell this book. So that's the thing. It's a super amazing book. Like how I read this book, written this book is, is in a paragraph manner i don't know if you read this sample it's yeah. like 
these like paragraphs in the book. Everything, everything in the book is written in the form of insights and in different paragraphs. Like it has right. more than four or five hundred insights. And very no concise. Story, no paragraph. It's just, and it's endorsed by so many amazing people, like CEOs of different, basically, you know, multinational companies and executives of many multi-billion-dollar companies, and also several people who were awarded as the American Business Person of the Year. So it's an amazing book. I'll definitely recommend any person who's considering starting a business, or is starting a business, or is someone who's at a stage where their ten percent of their wealth is more than their basically, you know, annual income. For that, those people as well who have really made it in business, or any person who's a multimillionaire, or I mean, you know, any person, even for billionaires as well, like the insight, like you can always learn everything from anyone, like even if it's what not to do. So like you, there's always a way to learn something from anyone basically in life, and. The things that you will learn in this book, like one of the one of the endorsement was done by one of my mentor. His name is Ross Young. His company basically, basically his company was awarded as Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in America for five years, five times straight. Oh wow! So yeah. it's it's an amazing company. They've generated more than 430 million dollars in revenue. And this and the founder basically of this company said that in an endorsement that it's also mentioned on the website that this company is you know the things which are written in this book. Each paragraph can be written as a quotation because it's so amazing inside. Everything yeah. which is written in the paragraph is so amazing inside. And I, I think it will help anyone who will read this book. It's so amazing if you will read this book. And if you don't get value, I'll refund you the money. It's like it's 100% pure value from the book. And I'm also basically giving a part of it to charity because my goal from the book is, of course, not to make money. Of course, what money I'll make from a basically, you know, few bucks book. So that's how it is, but it's like, it's an amazing book. It, it is, I guess, 136 pages and the, the PDF version and the ebook version is there available for international basically, you know, readers. You can just go on my website, yasirhashmi.com. You can, you know, put in the description and yasirhashmi.com and then you can go in the book section. All the links are there. You can basically, you know, be any, any corner of the world and you can buy the book easily if you face any problem. You can just, you know, contact our support team on the website. So it's an amazing book. I'll definitely recommend this book. And, you know, basically other thing for other people who are still growing their business, like, you know, I could, the content which I create on my channel is also related to, sometimes it's related to the things which I'm doing in real life in real time. Like, it's like, if I'm facing an issue, I'm creating a video on it. But most of the time it's on the things which have happened in my life and I learned from that. And yeah. it's coming from someone who's credible, who made a business, basically, you know, that's a strong business with strong fundamentals. And it's like, I grew my business from scratch to seven figures in US dollars in my first year of business when I was 18 years old without no experience. So I did it basically in my first year of business. So it's so like- what I, did, it, Yeah, sir. What, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But so what did you, literally, what did you start with with that business? And yeah, how, so basically, when did it turn a corner? When I started my business, it was a bit different in terms of the business model. It was like 10 times efficient as it is now. Right. I mean, right, 10 right. times less. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, just 10% yeah. of what's efficient now. Yeah. So it was not so good. It's rough. like, I did. I mean, it was a bit like rough because the thing is, I even didn't know about how this industry works. So it was, I was also coming up. I was basically, you know, understanding things. I was also improving my knowledge of the industry because I have no background in finance. I didn't have any take in finance. I didn't do anything in finance. So it's like I'm going into finance. So of course, you know, for me, it's also something that's new. And I started learning it. But I think one of the great things in my life, which I 
that basically from childhood is I learned things from the best people in the world. And, you know, to be the best, you have to learn from the best. And I think they'll also give me a lot of insights all my life. And I am a reader basically since childhood. So I was able to read. I, you know, one of the thing is like, I only read one novel after reading that novel. I never read a novel. I respect people who need novels, <laughs> but I think it's just a waste of time. Like reading novels for me is a waste of time because there are so many important books in this world that you can read that you don't need to read a novel. Like, like the thing in life people don't think about is doing something also implies not doing something. So if you are reading a novel, you are not reading a good book. That's the thing, right? So yeah. I think people should not focus on reading novels if they really want to do great things in life. I mean, reading a novel is okay for entertainment to improve your creativity, to get more ideas, but you can only do so much. The people who make money through books, through novels are the authors, okay? The people who make the books, make money through books are authors. So you have to, you have to think about reading the good books and a good book can change people's life, I'm telling you. Well, that's a very good point you make. Which is, you know, and, and as a writer and as someone who's been creative my whole life, I have to admit that the point you make is really salient because it's like, well, the book that you're reading as a novel, you read a Stephen King novel, you read a romance novel, or you read a classic novel, you read of mice and men, you're yeah. reading allegories about life, you're reading a metaphor for something. Right. Whereas when right. I started reading business books, you know, you're reading an actual thing. You're not, there's no, it's not right. couched in an imaginative storytelling, fantastic way. And that's why right. they call that stuff escapist because we're escaping from reality. And what your point right. of view is, is let's, let's go all in on reality. Let's live in the moment and let's live and learn in every breath we take and not remove right. it so far all right you know and yeah, yeah of course sure. it's good for enjoyment of course entertainment sure. is, is great definitely and, like i see so many basically i mean especially in the female community i've seen like most women like to read novels rather than reading books which can teach them how to become a better wife better student better good better in anything which they're doing in their life they're more focused on reading novels and thinking about what's really a priority it's important to focus on priorities like Okay, it's okay to read a novel. Okay, that's great. It's good to read fiction stuff. Okay, great. But at the same time, you also need to focus on what will make the biggest difference in your life. Will being a better father will make a big difference? Or will watching a Kevin Hart movie will make a big difference? <laughs> of course, you can watch a movie. But at the same time, you know what's more important, what can make the biggest difference in your life. Like in my life, if I do things, if I have so many problems in my life, I think about what's the one thing which can make the biggest change. And if I got to know that thing, then I focus on only that thing. So that's how it is. Like you need to focus on what's the one thing which can make the biggest change because I think it's so hard to focus on so many things at the same time. And you know, the, the other thing is this, like if I think it's interesting to see things from a physics perspective, like, you know, like let's say if you have the A part and, you know, let's say if you have a strip of an A part and if you put it in the soil, it will go deeper. Or if you put a knife basically in the soil, it will go deeper. But if you mm -hmm. put a bottle, okay, in the ground, basically in the soil, it won't go deeper, right? It you need to put a lot more pressure on the bottle as compared to the you know knife, right? Because the surface area is less. Surface yeah. area of the knife is less as compared to the surface area of the bottle. So same is it for us humans understanding things and you know processing issues or subjects or problems in our life is like. When we focus on one by one on one thing, then we are a lot more efficient and focus on that specific thing. 
So that's so important. And the other thing is this, like when I'm consuming any kind of information, my focus is to use as much senses as possible because I believe that we retain things if we use more and more senses, eyes, nose, ears, lips, skin, right? If we can feel that thing, if we can smell that thing, if we can see that thing, if we can listen to that thing, different senses of the brains are processing that same information, which are storing in different parts of the brain. It's hitting different parts of the brain. So it's a lot more easier for us to retain that thing. And that's a very valuable thing, I think, to understand in life. People don't understand this thing because like one of the things is this, like if you take the example of internships, like the internship of a doctor, where the doctor sits, talk to the patient, smell the patient, touch the patient, okay, and see the patient in person, okay, different senses of the doctor's brain are working, as compared to the internship of a software developer, just focusing on PC, watching, seeing things, okay, and very other lessons are being used in the internship of a, you know, software engineer, as compared to the things which are done for a doctor. That's that's an interesting perspective to think from an internship perspective as well. Like if yeah. you're doing an internship, you want to be in a situation. And that's the thing with virtual and in-person education. Like people say that, you know, virtual education is not so good. In-person is good. The reason is because of the senses. Like mm -hmm. there are less senses which are interacting with other people's senses. Like everything in this world is energy. Right? Everything that basically in this world like what I say is an energy, what you perceive is an energy in our environment is energy. So it's like when we are in a room in person studying, then we, I mean, I mean, the other person, if our teacher is speaking in front of me, I'm sensing the teacher's body movement. I'm observing the teacher, the hand movement. I'm observing from my eyes. I'm listening from what teacher is saying. I'm touching the, you know, desk of the classroom. I'm touching everything. So I'm getting so many sources of information through different sources of information that I'm able to retain it better and for longer. And that's right. one, one interesting one interesting thing is basically for people that are creative. Like you are a very creative person, Hush. Or, you know, one of the things basically, you know, one interesting advantage which creative people have is like, you know, creative people are more memorable for, for the other perceiver because when you are creative, you are unpredictable, okay? And when you are unpredictable, then you do things, of course, which are not predictable by the brain of the perceiver. Okay, so now when you take unpredictable actions, which the other person's brain is unable to predict, then whenever that action happens, the perceiver's brain releases dopamine. Okay, because the other person gets surprised. So whenever the other person gets surprised, the brain releases dopamine, which makes the person memorable in the memory of the perceiver. So that's one interesting advantage which creative people have over normal people, more highly creative people. Well, that's what I told my wife yesterday because she said our dog wasn't getting enough exercise. He wasn't getting enough stimulation because we were working all day. And I said, yeah. yeah, but he sits with me for a long time and I talk to him. And because of my nature, I guarantee you his mind is activated and his interest is sustained because he's surprised by the things I say to him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of a joke, but the truth yeah. is that, you know, the stimulation for them is both, is both in terms of right. their senses and their right. physical activity, you know? Right. So it's, and but that's, that's true, but it's true, you know? For sure. And I mean, a similar thing is for the differently abled people, like differently abled people are like, if one of the senses is not working, the other senses are a lot more active than the senses which they right. have lost. So that's an interesting perspective, basically, you know, on this part as well. And, you know, one of the things which I taught, told you about people, the thing about people is, you know, Hush, 
like let's say I, I told you my framework in life okay first you have a purpose then your long-term intermediate and short-term goals now okay you you know what you want what will give you meaning now what you need is what other people have like if you need experience someone might have it if you need right. money someone has your money if you need expertise someone else has it okay if you want to connect with some other person someone knows that person so you know basically it's like whatever we need is what other people have now what controls other people is their brain and what controls their brain is this unconscious mind, which controls 90% of the decision making. So if people can master the unconscious mind, the psychology of the unconscious mind, they can master anything. They can get anything and they, they want in life if they know how the other person's subconscious mind works and how they can get the other person to do things for them. I'm talking about persuasion. So persuasion and communication skills are a very important part of a life. And Warren Buffett even told in an interview that in order to increase the value of a person by 50%, a person just needs to improve their communication skills. So that's mm. an interesting perspective on communication. And I really believe that communication is something which can make or break organizations or relationships as well. Yeah. Because people are like, you know, especially in a relationship, people are like, if they don't like other person's certain behavior or action, they don't talk to that person. Okay. That's what normally people do. Like if your wife gets mad at you, then she won't talk to you. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what will happen. It's not like she'll come and tell you that you did these things, which made me feel like this, or which made me think of that thing, or which made me think of realize about this past bad experience, or which made me basically, you know, feel this less important about myself or made me feel this about myself. And that's why I did basically, you know, that's why I felt bad. And I'm not, I was, I'm not in a mood to talk to you. Okay, so that communication will solve the problem in long term. Like we want to solve problems, you know, for long term. We don't want to put bandage on our problems. We want yes. the problems to be solved in a very long term time horizon rather than the problem to be repeat itself after a certain you know period of time. So that's basically you know how how it's relevant in personal life, in relationships, and in terms of business. It's like let's say if I have a partner, if I have investors who I'm not answering, they are just emailing me. I'm not even updating them on anything or let's say if they are even not asking and if i'm not updating them without asking then it's like they will feel that you know they are left off yeah <laughs> they yeah. feel that you know they are not involved <laughs> i mean this person just took our money and he's doing whatever he wants and he's not even informing us what's going on with our money so yeah. that's how basically investors are there as well in business or even with a business colleague like if you're not updating your senior, that person will won't feel involved. That person will be like, this person is trying to do everything on his own. And the yeah. other thing is this, like people are like that, you know, this person didn't ask me this thing. That's why I didn't update it, that person. Now, the thing is this, like there are two things. One is selling, one is service. And service is always senior to selling. The difference between selling and service is like, you know, let's say if you go in a restaurant and you ask for an order, you get the order, okay? And let's say you completed the order. Then when you have completed the order, the person will bring basically the tissue for you or it has to be there on the table. Or if person, or basically it's like, you know, if you go to, into the restaurant, the person brings you basically, you know, the menu and stands in front of your desk or basically table to ask you for the order. That's service. But if I have to call, hey, waiter, come. So that's not service, okay? Like if, if I have to ask, then it's not service. Like if you're going to someone yeah. home, someone's home, and if you ask, please give me a glass of water. That's not that's not service. Like if I have to ask, then it's not service. Right, if someone right. is giving on its own, that's service. Like if someone is giving me a gift 
extra without anything without anything if i if i did or didn't do it for that person that's service so like if someone is not my investor is not asking any update from me does not mean i don't need to give them this it's right. a service that i'm giving that person that person feels more special or more important in this respective position because communication i think and i've done you know i've done my whole life communication is both my business my service right. that i provide and it's also yeah. how i service the client right so yeah. it's the same exact thing and i believe that it's anticipation service is anticipation i have this sixth sense like i have a small marketing agency focuses on sneaker marketing you know so my business partner in that in that business I would say to him, oh, did you talk to so-and-so or have we talked to so-and-so? Did so-and-so send an email to this client? And he would say no. And I would say, okay, we got like five minutes before that person writes us and calls us. And if they call us, that's bad. So make sure that we send that, whatever that update is, whatever that thing is, even if it's, I'm going to call you later with an update, please do it. And all the time it will happen. Yeah. You know, if I do it myself, if I forget. You know, well, and I'm sure. like, oh man, I have a feeling I should bring, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm just wondering what, and that's the worst feeling in the world because you, <laughs> you feel like that you're underserving or under delivering right. if you don't anticipate then now it's not well, like sure. they said, I need an update by noon. They didn't say anything. I just well, know sure. that call will come and they'll say, right. where is that thing? Or can I well, have sure. a thing? like that. Right. And you lose points for that. It's like, if you say, right. Hey, listen, right. I know you didn't ask for anything, but here you go. Here's the thing. You're right. That's service. They come up to you and provide right. something that you didn't right. have to ask for. for sure. And, and, and we feel good about it. Of course, everyone feel feels good. good. No one feels bad, right? No one feels bad that they are being serviced. And the other thing right. is, it's like pe people get so demotivated in sales. I mean, even as a, as a salesperson, people are like, Oh, I, I did this. I sold this thing to this person or if I, I talked to this person on phone or in a meeting and I, now I'm fo I followed up with this person once he didn't reply. So let me just focus on a new customer. Now, the thing is, you don't have to think, take it to your ego. Oh, I'm not going to follow up with this guy. He didn't reply to me. You don't have to be like this. You have to be like, he's not doing his job of replying to the email. You have to do your job of keep on talking to that person, keep on following up. Like for me, like a single sale is made like, you know, industry average for a sale is to have like 10 to 20 follow-ups. But for me, it's like 100, 200 follow-ups. I don't have any problem in following up with any of our customer or bigger client, hundreds of times. I mean, it has to be, of course, it has to be automated. It's a repeated thing, but it's like, you don't want to get demotivated just after you know, approaching to the prospect once. And it's like a prospect say no three times up before saying yes. Yeah. So if people don't understand if someone is not interested now, they can be interested in the future. Like I have followed up with people who in the beginning of my business when I started and I have closed some of those deals now. So basically those deals after several years I've closed. So it's like, you know, people, people have to change their perspective that you have to do your work even if the other person is not doing their work. Rather yeah. than, oh, I take it to my ego. I know I'm not going to you know, call that person. I'm Mr. This, I'm Mr. That. You don't have to be like this because it's like fortune is in the follow-up in anything, whether it's following up with an investor or a prospect or whether it's basically, you know, any kind of podcast. Like in terms of basically, you know, like the podcast, I have scheduled like more than 200 shows for this year itself. Like just after this show, I have two other shows back to back. 
Five minutes I have another show, and yesterday as well it was four. It was three. So it's like it's a sequence. It's a journey, and all those people were following up. So many people are following up, and it's like so many of episodes were rescheduled for the future. Like yeah. the schedule time for this interview was yesterday, but it's rescheduled for today because I had something came up basically yesterday. So it's like like you know, fortune is in the follow up. Everything people get in life is in follow up, and you can never get. And I mean, it's only in my life once I've closed a sale. In the single single call, in a ten minutes call, I close the sale. Once it has happened yes. in my life, yeah. But always it has. It's about two follow up, three follow up, five. But six, there was there was something, Yasser, that that preceded that. Even if it wasn't you, that right. that prefaced that so that when that call happened, it was ready. It yeah. was time. Before right. you go, because I know you do have to go. So before you go, I want to thank you first of all for doing this. But secondly, I want to ask close with this question. What excites you most about business right now? In terms of business, see, it's like for me, I mean, business in terms of you know, in the beginning of my business, the thing that excited the most is money. Of course, I mean, you know, it's like your focus is to become a business that's stable, that doesn't have any problem in doing anything, and it's like you are financially basically rich enough that you know you don't have any personal problem so now i'm at a stage in my business which i love that i don't need to do anything i don't have any responsibilities if i want to do anything i do if i don't want i don't do and my focus is on my wealth management and real estate and different things which i'm focused on because it's like a person like anyone who's watching is who, who's made it in business like whenever 10% of your net worth is equals to your annual income then your focus should be on wealth management rather than income generation because then your wealth outlasts your income generation capacity so then uh-huh. your focus has to shift on wealth management because you can easily get 10 to 20 percent return on your wealth if it's you know if 10 percent is your annual income so one thing which i love is basically you know growing my wealth in terms of the different kinds of assets which i have in my portfolio i love that part in terms of business it's like now business is more of like you know it's a lot more neutral it's less exciting basically at this point of time it's it, it's like but 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 the great thing is is the best feeling after doing the hard work in the earliest of your business is you can i can at this point of time i can do anything in this world basically you know at with, with anyone in any corner of the world i can go anywhere i can do whatever i want with my day i can do anything in you know basically weekdays like most of the things most of the travel i do is in weekdays i don't travel on you know weekends because on weekends, all the, you know, basically people are there, all the, basically, you know, people, there's so much crowd and there's so much traffic on the road that I like to do things on weekdays. There's less traffic, less crowd, basically. So, of course, I don't like very big, you know, crowd. I really hate crowd, basically. Yeah. I mean, a very big crowd, you know, in any place. Uh, rush, I don't like rush. So, I like to do these things on weekdays. And it's hard to do these things on weekdays when you run a business. So, now I'm out of the business. I'm not, I'm not day to day. I'm not involved in day to day operations. So, it's like I don't need to do all those things. And I feel a lot more free. I mean, it's an amazing feeling, amazing freedom, which you get after you just work for few years. And I really think if a person will master sales, negotiation, human behavior, and money, for two, three years, they can really build a business which can really make them to retire in just three, four years. Like, I mean, my first year of business, I was able to get retired in just mm-hmm. because, in just first year of my business. And then basically, you know, from because the thing is, like, when you have money, it's not like the money is gone. You just invest it. It's just going in a compounding manner. Like, if you have, like, like Warren Buffett's net worth is 100 billion, more than 100 billion, maybe. He is just getting 20% return for past 70 years. So like if someone, <laughs> yeah. 
if someone yeah. has five million dollars now, if someone has five million dollars now at this point of time, in the next 20 years, they will have 150 million dollars without doing anything, if it's just going in a compounding manner. And that 150 million dollar will become 500 million dollar when the next other 20 years. So in 40 years, a five million or 10 million can become basically 600 million or 700 million. So without doing anything, if you just invest in real estate, majority of my focus is on real estate. I really love real estate. I don't like stocks. I mean, I'm okay with stocks. I have a stocks portfolio, mutual funds portfolio. I have bonds. I have different kinds of financial assets where it's like uh, my focus is mainly on basically, you know, real estate. I, I really love real estate because of yeah. leverage, appreciation, cash flow, these things. But yeah, thank you, Hush, for having me on your show. If you've enjoyed this episode of Brand Voice Runway, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. The positive reinforcement keeps us going. Who am I kidding? Founders like us keep going regardless. Thanks so much for listening and make tomorrow greater than today.